Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to this very special podcast starring Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And John, what the hell are we doing? We're doing the first mildly pleased Criterion Draft. And if you're not familiar with Criterion, they take uh, classic films or foreign films or avant-garde films and they they touch them up and they release them in these great Blu-rays and DVDs, great artwork, just very, like, a lot of detail and, like, just heart put into these these movies that you, you know, otherwise maybe can't see or now you can finally see in the right way. And... Twice a year at Barnes and Noble, they have a 50% off Criterion sale. They have one in the fall and they have one in the summer that people go crazy for. So we thought this would be a fun opportunity to watch a bunch of Criterions this July and review them on the blog. And what we're going to do here is we're going to select those. We'll select the movies we'd like to watch in a draft, like how the NFL does it. Mm-hmm. The only sport that does a draft, the NFL. Um, so, John, if I'm understanding you correctly, we're doing basically what we do with Shocktober, but in July, and just just with good movies. Yeah, and I think there's a there's some fun in in picking them. I don't know that there's going to be like, oh fuck you, I wanted to watch that French movie from the fifties. <laughs> I know, hope it could, that, could I be. hope that happens. <laughs> <laughs> make for saucy podcasting there's so many criterions and i thought this would be a fun way for us to just kind of explore those and why we want to see these movies and if someone else has seen them you know they want to chime in be like oh you shouldn't pick that that sucks or that's, <laughs> that's fucking amazing bro high five and like i think for all of us like we're such big movie fans but there's just so many movies that we haven't like put the time in and this like gives us a reason absolutely you gotta do it bro you gotta you gotta there's a podcast now about it you're telling you you're gonna watch it yeah uh my my approach is very much just clearing up kind of my my life movie (laughs) cue of of some stuff yeah i think i just kind of went with movies that i've been getting around to seeing and then a couple that i i kind of dug deep and weren't wasn't super familiar with and just sounded cool and on the Criterion website, they have those weird little trailers that's like on their own like built-in media player that you can watch. So I'd watch some of those. Be like, okay, this looks interesting. I'll check this out. Yeah, uh, worth mentioning that Criterion website is pretty sweet. They also have a bunch of um, celebrities come in and, and call them on me. They do videos, but the stuff I saw was they do like top ten lists of their favorite Criterion movies. Definitely a site worth clicking around on. It's not just a store. Oh, yeah, I once saw a great video showing them just going through every step of, of taking a movie and, and then everything they do in terms of restoration. And even to them picking the artwork for the cover, I think it was for Foreign Correspondent. Like, it shows huh. all these different, like, drawings. Of like, maybe we'll go with this one, maybe we'll go with this one. And that shows the one that they went with. And it shows them, like, touching up some scratches and whatnot. Yeah, I remember there's a really cool video. Um, It's probably on the Blu-ray of On the Waterfront, but I saw it on YouTube where they talk about the various aspect ratios that movies been released in uh, over the years and how they ha- actually like couldn't just they couldn't just like give you the widescreen print because there's different widescreen prints and the full screen print absolutely has its own merit too. Yeah, I have that Blu-ray. 
Be- well, because that movie was shot in like a weird time in the fifties where they like, weren't sure if everyone had widescreen formatted theaters because some did, some didn't. And then, uh, yeah, I guess my approach for this is I'm kind of more just going like directors that I've certainly heard of just being a classic film fan, but I've never like gotten around to. So it's like, yeah, I'll check out one of their movies. I think there's also a few directors where I've like seen one of their movies, but I don't feel like that's kind of been enough to get a sense of who they who they are as artists. And then there are a few that are just like, this seems weird. <laughs> and I kind of want to watch it. Like, yeah, mine's kind of a mix of just like odd movies that I'm just like curious about. I don't even know if they'll be good, but I mean, the thing about Criterion is like, they don't always necessarily just do artsy masterpieces. <laughs> like they have some that are just like, weird interesting cult movies that like aren't necessarily quote-unquote great films but they're at least doing something sort of off the beaten path from your regular hollywood fair i get what you're saying you you have the rock on your list i don't think you do get what i'm saying (laughs) it's like the most uh, your obvious hollywood fair movie i can think of (laughs) you know i'm surprised that's not a rare criterion to get you can get that dvd for a dollar on amazon <laughs> do you think the reasoning behind a lot of those weird early michael bay criterions was that maybe those first couple of years for criterion were shaky and like those studios gave him a good amount of money to release those on criterion i think it's that i think it's also um you know criterion was like one of the first companies that was doing dvds with uh special features and dvds that actually had the movie in widescreen and so, I mean, Michael Bay shoots his movies so wide. I, I can't even imagine, like, a full screen cut of anything Michael Bay's ever done. Well, I feel like his movies are on TV a lot. So, <laughs> I'm sure they've been reformatted before. I, For me with that, I just assume, like, Michael Bay's, like, a fan of Criterion. Like, he doesn't get why Criterion movies are good, but he's like, you guys are doing something cool. Like, could you put my movie out? They're like, well, I guess you did make a billion dollars, even though it sucks. But not The Rock. The Rock is great. Rock's decent. Armageddon, though. I don't know why that has a criterion. (laughs) Yeah, just garbage. Anyway, let's get to round one of the draft. I think uh, the way I wanted to do it was to give uh, each round, give John the first pick and me the second pick. Because uh, I'm calling our season the uh, the last year's Shocktober, and that's those are John had the most posts, and I had the second most posts. So there's some 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 reward for having done that. Okay. Do we want to like is trades? Is that a thing? I doubt that's gonna happen. Mm, trade but... a pick? That's an interesting strategy. <laughs> Let's leave it on like the table. Like if somebody picks something you wanted. Or if you want to change your mind at the, at the end to something, you, maybe you'll, you'll have a regret. You'll have a buyer's remorse immediately. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what Just... have I done? <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Uh, so, John, first round, first pick. So, for my first pick, it's not necessarily the movie that I wanted to watch the most. It's just one that 
I think we're all aware of. And I thought someone it might be on someone's mind, but I don't think anyone's really going to pick it. So for my number one pick, I am picking the French film The Wages of Fear. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to assume that that was a cheer. Well, <laughs> no, that was a... Mm. <laughs> no, that's fine. That was actually a backup pick for me. It wasn't in my like 10 or whatever that I chose. But I was like, if someone else chooses one of my movies, maybe I'll pick Wages of Fear. But you know what? Now it's off the table. That's okay. So yeah, we watched we watched Sorcerer this year, which is an adaptation of the same book, uh, Georges Arnaud's book. I think the American title is, or like translated is The Salary of Fear. And I haven't really looked into the original at all. I kind of want to go into it blind. At least I know Sorcerer was about a bunch of like, criminals driving trucks with nitro through the jungle. I assume this is somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is the 1950s. And I know people say this movie is great. It's, it seems a lot more notable than Sorcerer. It's got 100% around Tomatoes. Like, everyone's like, it's fucking awesome. But I kind of want to be surprised about this. I kind of, I didn't really read into it as much as some of my other picks. I was just ready to just, just go ahead and pick it. It's directed by, uh, it's directed by the same guy that did, whatever that movie's called, Less Diaboliques. Oh, yeah. I'm not um, pronouncing I'm going to go right. with Henry Georges. Clouseau is going to yeah, be, I guess. That's how I'd pronounce it, which is probably wrong. <laughs> well, I think the thing about about France is you have to ignore most of the letters in the name. <laughs> there's a T, hell no, you're not saying it. Yeah. If there's an S at the end, you're kind of just going to go... Well, yeah, it's like most of the consonants that come after vowels should be ignored. <laughs> you know what I love about uh, Wikipedia is they always have pronunciation guides for, for these foreign words. But yeah. they're written in this pronunciation format where it's like, you don't know how to pronounce this word. Let me write it for you in a different language. That'll help you. Like, what the? F- I... It looks like his name is Akbi3CR3 in the pronunciation font on Wikipedia. That's really helpful. He's also a Star Wars bounty hunter. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've seen uh, Diabolique. Uh, that was a while ago, but that I seem to recall that being like pretty, pretty striking imagery and pretty creepy and beautiful, stark black and white, like Wages of Fear. But yeah, I don't know much about the the cast or a lot of people involved. Just a bunch of French people. Mm-hmm. I've seen a good amount of French movies, so I feel like I know. I feel like I know what I'm in for. Um, I was a little scared about the length. 148 minutes mm-hmm. isn't that long, but. You, you guys know me. Anything over two hours, and I'm like, I don't know. This might take a couple of days. <laughs> I'm hoping that this is suspenseful and engaging enough to where it's going to just fly by. All right. The number two pick, Sean. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, So I think most of my pick... like Yeah, looking at my list, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen uh like every movie on this list except for maybe one that you guys haven't even heard of uh so i'm playing it pretty safe i think because the thing is sean's basically just taking my criterion collection (laughs) and just taking the movies that i own that he hasn't seen and using those as his picks which is fair because 
I'm not going to pick any of them because I've already seen them. I'm also, I'm peppering in movies that I bought myself like 10 years ago that I never watched. Yeah, there are a few of those in there. Such as my first pick, which I would be shocked to hear if you hadn't seen this one, John. I'm sure you have. It's uh, Eight and a Half by uh, Federico Fellini. Uh, You know, it's one of those movies that's always in the conversation for like greatest movie ever made. Uh, Probably because it's about like a, a film director. And people love those. You can tell I'm really excited. I don't know. It's supposed to be like really surreal and beautiful and all sorts of stuff. Kind and of I don't know shit about Fellini, so <laughs> should be good. Um, Anything I need to know going into Eight and a Half, you guys? I feel like the film he's making within the film is pretty sweet. <laughs> I wish we could get a little more of that. It's like sci-fi. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I mean, this is one that I might want to watch with you when you watch it, because I haven't seen it since high school, but I remember liking it a lot, and I've seen a bunch of Fellini's movies too, but again, I haven't returned to them since high school. (laughs) Foreign movies are weird, because I don't feel like I ever have much of an urge to watch a lot of them twice, which is why I'm always like hesitant to buy them on Criterion Blu-rays, like literally most of the Criterion Blu-rays I own are American films but uh, I should see this again probably remember liking a lot remind me Sean is it a long movie I don't remember I think it's kind of long it's it's a little over two hours 138 Mm -hmm. minutes the inspiration for the movie 9 oh (laughs) remember that (laughs) I think it's also the inspiration for uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space (laughs) <laughs> that sounds right let's just make up a bunch of, well, let's just assume a bunch of things uh, inspiration for eight men out <laughs> the prequel <laughs> which was something historical that happened way before this uh, yeah just any movies with eight or nine it's uh, connected to so if I remember, this was this Fellini's eight eight and a half movie that he made. Is that why it's called that? Isn't it, it's kind of autobiographical a little bit, or at least I assume he drew from his own experiences as a director. Yeah, he's probably not as cool as Marcelo Mastroianni. Mean, who is? <laughs> I feel like that for me, like that's the definitive look of a cool director. You wear a suit and you have sunglasses on all the time. <laughs> that's what I want to aspire to be. It's pretty cool. All right, with the number three pick in the Criterion draft, Colin, what have you selected? All right, this is one actually that Sean owns, but I've never seen. It's a Tokyo Story, directed by how do you say his first name? Yasuhiro Yasujiro Ozu. I have never seen any of his movies. I feel like I would like his movies because they just sound like they're about. <laughs> Just people getting through everyday life in post-war Japan, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything about it. But I've seen the cover, but yeah, I don't know it. I've been meaning to see it for a while. I guess... Do you guys know anything about the director, I wonder? Sorry. I, I, yeah, I just know he's a Zingo. super revered <laughs> director, but I haven't seen a single one of his movies. I don't know how that happened. 
but it did. Well, I think this is supposed to be the one. It's the only one I've seen. So you said Sean owns this? Yeah. And Sean, you have not watched it? No, I've seen it. Oh, you have seen it? Mm-hmm. I've seen some things. I like. <laughs> I don't want people... Because my list is going to be super obvious stuff, except for one movie, which I don't think anyone's heard of. Um, but I have seen a lot of Criterion movies. Like, Don't get it twisted. Yeah, probably more than the average person. I've been around. Th- these are movies, you know, for film lovers. All right. Well, interesting trend so far. Our movies are from 1953, 1963, and 1953 again. Will we get out of the terrible threes? With John's next pick, let's find uh, out. My next pick is from 1973. <gasps> <laughs> just a coincidence. It just kind of worked out that way. It's a movie that I didn't even really know about till like a couple days ago. You know, we I started changing up my list a little, kind of digging a little deeper, mm-hmm. and I found out about this movie called The Spirit of the Beehive. You guys, you guys, you ever heard of that title? Nope, never heard of it. So what sold me is I was looking through like some list. It was like a, some weird place. Like MTV picks the criteria you gotta see. It's like this is for MTV fans. Why, why is this article on this MTV site? Anyways, they mentioned this movie, Spirit of the Beehive, being like, if it wasn't for this movie, who knows if we've had we've had we would have Guillermo del Toro. And I was like, what the <gasps> fuck does that mean? So basically, Spirit of the Beehive is a movie set in the '40s about a little girl who sees the movie Frankenstein, like the 1930s Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and just totally, like, terrifies her, but, like, she just becomes so fascinated by it. And, like, she has kind of, like, weird fantasy-like segments. And this one sentence really really caught my eye. A bewitching portrait of a child's haunted inner life. So it, it sounds like it's just kind of like a... sort of like a coming-of-age thing, but, like, a little kid... And then, you know, we've we've all as kids had that moment where, like, you see something scary or something just, like, striking and it really, like, really sticks with you. And to see that from a child's perspective, that seems like, that sounds really interesting. And I looked at some of, like, the, the imagery in it. It looked really pretty, kind of like vast farmlands. And I did see a guy dressed up like Frankenstein in the Google Images search. <laughs> so she's going to see Frankenstein in one of her dreams. That sounds awesome. And I did see, like, Guillermo del Toro comment on it being like, this was my life. <laughs> so he's 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 all about it. It's like, I gotta check it out. And I, don't, I haven't seen enough Spanish movies, really. I've seen his, but they're technically, I mean, they're Mexican movies, even though he usually sets them in Spain. It just, it's cool. It kind of sounds like it's, uh, you know, like a precursor, predecessor, whatever. It's, it's tied to his work in some way, it seems like. That sounds cool. It does sound cool. Good luck with that one, John. You... <laughs> I hope. I really hope it's good. Wait, what What country did you say it was from? It's from Spain. Okay. Cool. I'm looking up the director. He only made like three movies. Victor Eris. Eris? Eric E. Uh, Eric, Eric E. Maybe. He made this. A movie called El Sir. And a movie called Dream of Light. I don't know any of those. I'm going to assume El Sir is a surfing movie. And Dream of Light, uh, this is a confusing poster. I have no idea. Something to do with oranges. I mean, that's a good enough to I, Like, Orange County was good. <laughs> it's probably that good. <laughs> it was to me. If, if okay. Orange County was a criterion. And uh, by the way, I looked up the Wikipedia pronunciation. It's E-R-I-Zero-E. E-R-I-Zero-E. <laughs> 
obviously. <laughs> but there's also we're nailing these names. There's also some like dots just floating around. Ugh. I don't know what their influence is. <laughs> just assume that I said that with some dots in it. Um, so my second pick uh, is the only other three-year movie I have. Um, but I'm, I'm going way more modern than we have so far. It's The Three Colors Blue uh, by Krzysztof Kieslowski. Uh, part of his trilogy of films about France. Um, I think the the concept is that uh, each of the movies represents the ideal that's represented in the in the the three colors of the French flag, you know, blue, white, and red. Uh, and I know that blue is uh, the one that stars uh, Juliette Binoche. I should she might be in multiple of those. Um, and you know Juliette Binoche from Ghost in the Shell. Um, <laughs> and as, Godzilla. As a, and Godzilla, her finest work. Her, yeah, uh, she plays a uh, a woman whose uh, whole family is killed in a car accident, and um, her trying to. I, it sounds like almost celebrate the the liberty of uh, suddenly not having all those family responsibilities, just being alone. So that sounds uh, really interesting to me. And it's from 1993, so it's probably pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, old shit isn't sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess I should just say, like, I've had this... Uh, since, like, the first time we went to that sale at Barnes & Noble's, I've had this Three Colors uh, box set just sitting there staring at me because I've heard they're, they're so beautiful and amazing um so i mean chances are if i have extra time i'll try to watch the other two movies and probably just not write about them <laughs> are those supposed to be bummer movies for some reason they just i just feel like they're, they're bummer movies. They seem <laughs> i mean the movie. plot shot described of that movie sounds like a bummer movie yeah but <laughs> sometimes they're good bummers <laughs> I mean, I feel like any anything French is inherently going to turn tragic. But maybe it's a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, sure, that car accident could be described as a fun ride. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess I'm next. Um, I guess I'm just going to get out of the way the two movies that I can physically watch i know for sure uh the other one is a movie called the naked kiss by the director samuel fuller uh i just bought this at silver platters the other day because they had a used copy for like cheapish (laughs) so i was like why not because i'd seen one of samuel fuller's movies called pick up on south street which is like a film noir, and I don't remember a ton about it, um, but he seemed like an interesting character uh, because he, he, I think he worked as like a crime reporter or something, and then he became a, a noir director, and then he made some movies under the studio system, and then he, I don't know, got kicked out of Hollywood or whatever for being kind of a cantankerous prick i guess he strikes me as sort of a sam peckinpah type of guy and this movie uh he made sort of 
I, I, I don't know. I didn't read too much of the description, but it was sort of independently made, and it's a sort of hard-boiled type of story. I can't even remember what the story is, but I guess I'm just interested in seeing more by by Samuel Fuller. I know he had a big influence on Tarantino. He's supposed to be really good at dialogue, I guess. And the box art was done by Daniel Close, too. But Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like, why not? I was just going to say, um, you know, we were talking about floating around the idea of doing Criterions for um, Shocktober this year, doing horror Criterions. Mm-hmm. And I was actually looking at a Fuller film that sounds really cool. White Dog. You yeah. heard of that one? Yeah. 82. <laughs> that movie sounds pretty sweet. An animal trainer, played by Paul Winfield, tries to deprogram an actress's found dog that's trained for racial attacks. <laughs> Holy like that shit! Hill episode. Oh, wait, yeah. no, that's never mind. I got that wrong. Remember that King of the Hill episode where the dog attacks Bertie Mac? <laughs> but then, if, but then they find out that the dog's not racist. It's just hates like hand, like guys that try to fix shit. <laughs> Enough about King of the Hill. I didn't think I'd bring that up. Well, I'm excited to see. White Dog, and yeah, I should probably check out some more of Samuel Fuller's stuff. It sounds hot, man. It sounds real sexy. <laughs> Maybe it is. I, I guess we'll see. Ugh, not 1963, though. Is there a naked kiss in the film? I don't know, probably not. It's made in 1964. <laughs> you guys can tell me if there's a, a naked kiss in my pick, because uh, I think one of you, or maybe both of you. Someone had to have seen this. But I have not. Uh, in the Mood for Love. I've always wanted to see that movie. I've, I've never seen a Wong Kar Wai film. I feel like everyone's always talking about, like, oh, the 2000s. This is, like, one of the best movies of that decade. And that, so that's, like, a pretty impressive claim. So I want to I wanna check that out. I didn't really look in, into anything about it. I assume it's a romance movie with the name and looking at the poster. <laughs> no, it's the opposite. It's not romantic in the least. It's brutal. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's brutal. Um, yeah, Sean owns this movie. We watched it a little while ago, like a year like a or so ago. year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I think Sean had also heard of this movie being really good. And uh, yeah, I'm a well, big fan of Well, specifically, I'd heard that it was like the most beautifully shot movie of like the 2000s. And I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a kind of amazing movie just because after the last time we watched it, I remember saying, Sean, like, that is a movie where literally nothing happens. <laughs> and yet so much happens just from the visual storytelling and the music and the editing. And it's just, yeah, it's just a feast <laughs> for the yeah. senses. You get so much mileage out of a few small, like, cramped sets. Like, they're... Every scene's still very different. It's a hell of a film. Yep. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I should watch this or Chung King Express, but... That's a good one, too. Yeah, I'd say you see both of them. You know, eventually. (laughs) Uh, Sean going next? Uh, You know what? I'm going to trade my pick uh, to call... I'll like call and make two picks in the third round, and I'll make uh, two picks in the fourth round. Wait, what? Does Colin, does Colin agree to this? <laughs> Is this real? What? <laughs> no, it's okay. I got, I got one. I don't uh, think our p- 
picks are going to override each other. I don't know what difference it makes. But maybe. Just trying um, to make it more interesting. Yo, yeah. speaking of Colin, when uh, we first became roommates, um, I was pissed one day because you watched my next pick like without even telling me about it. You just watched it one day. And I was like, damn it. I would have liked to watch that movie. Do you know what I'm talking about, Call? No. I mean, I do that a lot. Because <laughs> I always assume you're sleeping, and I'm just like, well, I don't know if Sean would want to watch this anyways, and he's sleeping, and I don't want to wake him up, so I'll just watch it. Well, in this case, that pick is Passive Glory by uh, Stanley Kubrick. Well, you're lying, because I haven't seen that movie in years. <laughs> I remember you. like, Or at least maybe you got it out, and you're like... No, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. <laughs> I know I've talked to you about watching it. I don't know mm. why I would continuously talk to you about watching Pass the Glory and be like, fuck it, this is never going to happen. I'm just going to watch this movie I've already seen twice alone without Sean. Because you know what? Fuck him. I'm pretty sure exactly that happened. I'm like, I'm like 65% sure of that happened. Uh, anyway... Uh, you know, just a feel-good movie about soldiers who don't want to die. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to see more uh, more Kubrick movies, and I'm getting to like kind of shitty territory. Like I'm not interested in seeing Lolita and the killings out there. I guess mm-hmm. Barry Lyndon looks boring. I've seen the killing. It's on Criterion. Barry Lyndon, I have not seen. Uh, but Pass the Glory sounds real sweet. It's got my main man, Kirk D. He's still alive. <laughs> this movie's so old. He survived this movie and <laughs> has continued to survive time. Uh, yeah, this movie came out in 1957. Uh, you know, he also made Spartacus with Kubrick. Another pretty good movie. On Criterion. Yeah. Uh, John, the debatable thing about this is the copy that Colin owns of Path of Glory is not a Criterion copy. Am I good? It's a DVD put out by MGM. I'd say you're good. It's just not going to look as good, though. It's going to have that MGM bullshit all over it. Yeah. <laughs> they made it full screen. I mean, this... It, it might be in full screen because it was made in the 50s. <laughs> might be in 16 by 9. It's pan and scan. You guys ever watch a movie TV where it's pan and scan? Uh, what that means. What is that? It's like you're, it, It's like the frame is too big that the, they digitally move it to the right so it looks like the camera's moving but it looks incredibly unnatural. Ooh. It's terrible. God. I haven't seen it many times, but <laughs> when you see it, you're just kind of like, ugh. Great uh, YouTube video of that uh, where uh, Martin Scorsese is talking about how it's the worst thing ever. And how uh, people who complain about watching movies in widescreen with the black bars on the top and bottom should just grow up because you, you should see the movie the way it was meant to be seen, not the way some engineer at a TV station thinks it looks good. Yeah, pan and skin is like when you're watching a guy who's sitting in a movie theater filming the movie on his camera. <laughs> not Jerry Seinfeld, like that other guy. Oh yeah, who got sick. Jerry puts in all candy. the different angles. 
Uh, Colin, your third pick. Okay, my third pick is a uh, movie called Safety Last! Exclamation point. It's, uh... Sounds hilarious. It is, is this a, like an it airplane is, movie? It is, is a comedy. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's hilarious. It's a silent comedy uh, starring Harold Lloyd, who, you know, he was like the third fiddle to... <laughs> to charlie chaplin and buster keaton and you know i'm a fan of those guys but i've seen a bunch of their movies and i know what they can do i want to see what harold lloyd could do i'm not really sure what his shtick is i guess he's just like a upstanding gentleman keep getting (laughs) shitty situations like he got goofy hair yeah he's a nerd he's a total nerd and this movie's (laughs) You know, it's got like the most famous image associated with Harold Lloyd where he's hanging off that clock tower just trying to die <laughs> or not die. That wasn't die. real, was it? Some of those guys did real shit. Who knows? No, well, actually, they had a cool video on the uh, Criterion channel explaining it where it was just like they got on top of a building and built like this, I don't know, giant like clock thing that made it look like he was suspended like... Mm-hmm. on Broadway or whatever in New York and you did have to hang off off the little clock thing as it like unraveled or however you want to <laughs> classify it but yeah seems fun it's probably only like 78 minutes and uh I feel like I I don't know that much of silent film in general i mean it's hard when i feel like i read something where like 70 percent of all silent films are lost at this point but (laughs) yeah um do you guys have a favorite silent film hmm i could like i'd probably say my you see my favorite is is a cheat because i'd probably say modern times but it's not technically a silent film it's made in the 30s. Uh, what about The Artist? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> First place. I'm a big fan of The Passion of Joan of Arc. You guys, that movie's like 70 uh, minutes long. Trying. You know, I I actually really liked a movie we watched uh, for Shocktober a few years back called uh, Haxon, A History of Witchcraft. Oh, yeah. That's a criterion. Yeah, yeah I mean, also... Sweet. To that end, I watched the what's it called, the Phantom Carriage for sure. Oh yeah, and that was really good. Also, also a Criterion. I really like the movie Sunrise. That's always wanted to see that. It's oh, really good. That's not a Criterion though. I don't think it is. That would have been on my list. It's one that of those movies that kind of came at the tail end of the silent era, where it was like they were getting really complex as far as visual storytelling. But then sound came along and all that kind of went away because you couldn't like move cameras around because you had all this bulky sound equipment. But mm-hmm. it's kind of for that reason I'd like to see more silent films because it was also based on, on visual storytelling. And I hope there are some good visual gags in Safety Last. Yeah, just like Minions. Yep. <laughs> My mom's a big Harold Lloyd fan. I know she's a huge fan of the movie The Freshman, and I know she likes this one a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like they still, she'll still watch those. So I guess they must hold up. My, uh, I just want to establish my mom is not a hundred years old too. It's not like <laughs> I remember. I remember the first time I saw it in the theater. 
to cost a nickel. <laughs> but, you know, it's always cool when those movies, like, that humor still holds up over time. And I bet they will. I mean, we still remember Harold Lloyd. I should have picked some comedies. I got a bunch of bummers coming up. <laughs> I assume my next one's a big bummer. And I think there's a chance that one of you guys have probably maybe seen it. It's a film I'm always hearing film snobs talk about. And I was like, I've finally got to sit down and watch this. Ahazard Balthazar. <laughs> You know, they talk about it on film spotting all the time. Yeah, I feel like, like I guess I better watch it. Something about like a goat, <laughs> or not a goat, a uh, mule. <laughs> yeah, I think Clearly it's a I'm mule. The expert. It's a mule and a girl kind of growing up with it over time. Yeah. And I assume it's a bummer. The the weird hand-drawn poster on the Wikipedia is like a naked, sad woman in the corner. She's like <laughs> so beaten down by life. But hey, it's uh, you know it's ninety five minutes. Uh, people say it's great. I haven't. I don't think I've seen any Robert Bresson films. I know he's got a couple others. I've actually seen two, and I don't like. I've seen Pickpocket, which I liked, and then I saw a movie called. I saw a Man Escaped, which for I don't know, some reason that movie didn't do it for me. <laughs> Maybe I was just tired, didn't feel like paying attention to a movie that day. But I feel like that movie's acclaimed, but for some reason it didn't work on me. <laughs> but I remember liking Pickpocket. Also, people talk a lot about what's the Diary of a Country Priest. That's another one they talk talked about on Film Spotting. I think because yeah. they once did a thing where they like they marathoned a bunch of his films, yep, and then just talked about them all. And that was kind of like the, the period when I was listening to Film Spotting the most. So I just felt like I heard about them all the time. <laughs> like I gotta check these out, and I'm finally going to. What's that name translate to? Balthazar at random. Okay. How's the uh, pronunciation guide for it, though? Oh, the pronunciation is O A Z A upside down R. <laughs> Bal period ta za R. <laughs> okay, so another one where we just nailed it. <laughs> That's how we should just type all of these. <laughs> it's like, what did you guys? What do you guys watch? God, that's supposed to be English. What's... Anyway, my pick, uh, another of my, like, just scooping up some of those best movies of all time that you guys have already seen for sure, uh, is uh, Francois Truffaut's Jules and Jim, about uh, a couple of buddies who are in love with a lady around World War One times. I assume in Paris or somewhere in France. I think so. <laughs> I've seen it, yeah. Uh, like John said, it's uh, one of those movies that like the film spotting guys are like, this is a really, really good movie. And I don't know, it seemed more interesting than the 400 blows to me, so I'm going with that. Ooh. Yeah, I told Sean that too, basically. <laughs> like, I think I like 400 you blows better. You told him that? Told him what? Oh wait, what did you tell him? I no, I, I gave him like a ooh <laughs> because I did. Yeah, Foreign Blows is oh my god, I, oh. it's great. Um, there's a there's a foreign movie I've seen more than twice. I've only seen it once. I'd like to see it again. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, but Jules and Jim's really good too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more like stylistically adventurous. Like that first half of Jules and Jim is just so sort of vibrant and alive and. 
I remember the last time I watched it, I was like, man, the first half of this movie is so fun, but then World War One happens and like the rest of these people's lives happen. It's just a bummer, but it's yeah, it's good. It's really good. Sounds awesome to me. Uh okay. <laughs> Uh, I love how my picks aren't as highfalutin as your guys' It's such a nice change of pace for my next one. You know, it's just a movie I'm curious about. I don't know if it'll even be a little bit good. It might just straight up be bad. But I'm, I've always been curious about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> because it's written by a guy we all have a lot of affection for, Roger Ebert. And directed by a guy that uh, we don't have affection for, but he seems like an interesting, another interesting character behind the camera, Russ Meyer, who's, what I understand, basically just a pervert who got to direct a bunch of movies in the 60s and 70s with these super uh, buxom women just going on adventures, fighting shitty guys or something i don't know now to be fair it sounds like roger ebert was pretty into that too no i'm sure he was <laughs> he fucking wrote the thing i'm not gonna assume he wasn't all about it but and this is a sequel right there was a valley of the dollars it's before supposedly this, right? like it started as a sequel to yeah the valley of the dolls and then it became like this sort of like campy parody of it uh, and also sort of a parody of Hollywood conventions and stuff. And I don't know, <laughs> coming from Roger Ebert, that sounds interesting, even if <laughs> it's just all about the titties at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ebert spent his whole career defending this movie. Yeah. And like, oh, come on. It's like, what do you expect? Like, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's supposed to be, like, kind of stupid. That would be interesting, though. I, yeah, yeah I'm, in, I'm very curious to see your review on that. I've always wanted to check out a rest of my film, but, like, it's definitely the movie that like, you don't want to be watching when, like, when, like, your girlfriend or someone walks into the room <laughs> and you have to explain, like, no, this is, like, this is this is important. Yeah. I watch yeah, Colin, I want you to keep it real classy when you pick the screenshots for the blog post. <laughs> I'll try. Keep it real classy. I'll try. You know, in Russ Meyer's defense, I feel like I've read that he was married to the same woman like his whole career, and he never cheated on her or anything with any of those bucks of women. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just liked seeing him on camera. Yeah. Sweet. Ooh. Well, so, John, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now, and I can tell you that's not true. He has three different partners. I th- I, well, but he didn't. He wasn't sleeping with his stars, though, right? Oh, probably not. Maybe he was. But they have Wikipedia pages themselves. Also, you know, we always make jokes about what's going to be written on our tombstones or our headstones. They actually have Russ Meyer's <laughs> in his Wikipedia page. It says, Russ Meyer, King of the Nudies, I Was Glad to Do It, film producer and director. You know? He knows what he was all yeah. about. <laughs> he knows his place. Well, if you can be the king of something, you did pretty good. <laughs> Seems like a solid dude. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, just so the listeners can keep track, are, we're on. Are we on thirteen? I don't have the Google sheet up. Uh, I'm doing it by rounds. We're into our fifth round now. Fifth round. Okay, I'm doing it by just individual picks. So maybe thirteen. We're somewhere in the teens. Well, everyone's fifth pick. My fifth. Okay, wait. 
my pick, anyways, is Paris, Texas, The Vendors. Mm. Uh, it's a film by Michael has always told me. Oh, you gotta check that <laughs> out. I mean, it's a movie that stars Harry Dean Stanton, like as the main character. Colin, have you seen this? Seems like a movie you might have. Yeah, I remember liking it, but not loving it. I think it's kind of slow. If I were to recommend a Wim Vendors movie, I would say go Wings of Desire. Uh, that sounded awfully experimental. <laughs> it kind of, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I just liked it better. It's a totally different kind of movie. Now that I think about it, like it's interesting that it was made by the same guy. It's like this black and white fantasy <laughs> mixed with modern day, and it's very dreamlike. And Paris, Texas is very just like stripped down guy just figuring out his life. <laughs> I don't really remember the plot yeah, to this movie. I'm not I'm not expecting something super accessible. I'm just more intrigued by the fact that it stars Harry Dean Stanton. Mm-hmm. He's just like some weird like mumbly guy that just like wanders back into like what meeting his family again or something I like that. I think it's his I... daughter. I remember there being a really good scene where he does Yeah, I won't spoil it for you, but <laughs> if there's one really good scene that sticks out in a movie, it must at least be worth watching or remembering. Yeah, you know, I've seen lots of images from it. Look cool. I like Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, I saw the music by Ry Cooter. I just watched Southern Comfort, another movie that he scored, which has an awesome score. So mm-hmm. I've seen lots of jangly, cool guitar or something. And yeah, I don't think I've seen much of Vin Vendor's filmography. I have seen the the American Friend, which is a movie he did with Dennis Hopper, uh, which was pretty good. That was a more conventional movie, though. This one's a little weirder. I don't know what he's done recently. He's still cranking him out, right? Maybe. Yeah, I feel like he made... God, I don't, I don't like recognize any of these films. <laughs> Came out with some movie about like dance or something called like PETA. I don't know. Oh my God. He, he does this movie. He did, made this movie that they have a poster for that hangs in Scarecrow Video in Seattle that I always think is like a weird Indiana Jones knockoff. If you guys have ever seen the poster for the movie Until the End of the World... It's a movie where William Hurt wears like an identical like Indiana Jones fedora <laughs> on the poster. Never but I think it's a sci-fi movie. Huh. Gotta check that out too. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, and I'm always intrigued when a foreign director makes an American film. In my experience, that doesn't always work out super well, but it's always an interesting it's always interesting results nonetheless. Yeah, I mean he's it seems like a guy who's always kind of obsessed with America, even when he's making, what, German films? He's German, right? Yeah. Just like Uwe Boll. Postal, most American film ever made. <laughs> I, I, that's becoming more and more true every year. <laughs> um, so my next pick is Bob Fosse's All That Jazz, which... As far as I understand, is a story about, uh, I think, like a, a theater director. It's like semi-autobiographical, uh, played by uh, our man, Roy Scheider. Mr. Mildly oh, Pleased. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as he's just like wrecking his life by his dedication to his art. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, yeah, I saw this movie a little while ago, a year or two ago, 
It's uh, it's a hell of a thing. <laughs> uh, interesting that you're watching this and Eight and a Half. Now that I think about it, they're very similar types of movies of directors, just like clearly working through some shit in their personal lives by making super autobiographical movies. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's unlike any musical you'll see. I can say that. I wasn't even 100% sure if it was a musical or not. No, it's totally a musical. It's just like, yeah, darker than most musicals. <laughs> but I guess Fosse could do that. I mean, Cabaret is kind of dark, too. Cause it deals with Nazis and stuff. Nazis. Yeah. These guys do suck. Bunch of jerks. Who needs them? Not us. Who needs them? Nope. Uh, so my next one, another American film, uh, is One-Eyed Jacks, uh, directed by Marlon Brando. Ooh, I learned something about this on the internet. Yeah? It was gonna be directed by Stanley Kubrick, and then he was like, nah. Really? That's interesting. I don't really know much this about movie it. movie where he kept ripping his pants. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone knows a little bit about this. I think, yeah, you guys know more than me. I don't know if it's that. It's definitely a Western that stars Marlon Brando. It might be a different movie. I mean... <laughs> Let's Google Marlon Brando ripped pants. I feel like he did a movie called, like, The Missouri Breaks or something. That was in, like, the late 70s. <laughs> He's got a double. It's got to be that one, right? He was way fatter then, and it's got breaks in the title. Case closed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really don't know much about this movie. It's just a western starring Marlon Brando. I've heard of it for a while. I, I remember it being in that one thousand and one movies to see before you die book, and being like, "Really, a movie directed by Marlon Brando?" Seemed out of his mind, but ooh, screenplay by Sam Peckinpah. Oh, sweet! It's gonna be really violent, I bet. It's awesome. It's a screenplay by Rod Serling and Sam Peckinpah. Ooh, yeah, that sounds cool. And Kubrick was gonna <laughs> do it, and he's like, "Ah, fuck this." So it's sixty-one. So then he would have been like, "Nah, I'll do Doctor Strange Love instead." Did Marlon Brando direct any other movies? That's the question. This is the only one. I'm sorry. I'm just reading about ripped pants. This All right. This is in here. So. You continue. Yeah. No, we can do our our joint uh, Wikipedia research at the same time. It's more efficient. In case Let's you're wondering, see. Wikipedia says Peck and Paw is pronounced P3K in Paw. So pretty close. Well, here's something that mentions um, One-Eyed Jacks. Um, Carl Malden, a close friend, said that during the shooting of One-Eyed Jacks, Brando would eat two steaks, potatoes, two apple pies a la mode, and a quart of milk for dinner. This diet necessitated the constant altering of his costumes during filming. Because of this, at his birthday party that year, the crew gave Marlon a belt as his present with the card, Hope It Fits. His birthday cake was labeled, Don't Feed the Director. So he did have to be refitted for pants, but I don't think it's like they're having a dramatic scene and just like his pants just rip wide open. That's pretty awesome. 
Also, looking at Marlon Brando's IMDb, this is the only movie he directed. So that's super interesting. It's also interesting, I don't know, makes me think of how Charles Lawton directed one movie and it was The Night of the Hunter, which is a really good movie, really moody and atmospheric. And it's, it's weird when that happens. But actors gotta act. Uh, I guess I'll move on to another John Pick. So yeah, this is a director that I've been meaning to check out for a long time. I just wish I hadn't waited so waited so long. Um, close up, Abbas Kurosami. He died this year or last year, didn't he? Sure did. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen any of his films, and just the premise of this one's very interesting. Um, a man that impersonated a director to convince family to star in his film, but it's like. I'm confused on like who this stars. You guys see this movie? No, no. I've seen a certified okay, copy. So I can I can endlessly speculate without being corrected. That's, and I can say <laughs> if it's anything like certified copy, you'll have no idea who's starring in this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to my understanding, it looks like it it he, they cast the people that were in the like part of the actual event that transpired. Like this is something that actually happened with someone trying to impersonate a director. But then, like, Kurosami, like, got the people to do it. Like, I don't even know how that works. I thought that's what I read. I just didn't want to go out right and say that if someone had seen it. So they'd be like, oh, no, that's bullshit. But since no one's seen it, I can assume that's maybe what it, it, it is. That sounds cool. Yeah, I don't know anything about Kurosami's style or, like, anything about him. Seems very meta. <laughs> I've also only seen Certified Copy, which... Huh. So we're not paying. So, so the 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 Kiristami movie I was here about is Taste of Cherry. Why'd you choose? Uh, why'd you choose Close Up over Taste of Cherry or anything else? It was it was really just the premise. It was the one that sounded the most interesting. And it's one of his one of his earlier ones. I think Taste of Cherry like is that on Criterion? Oh. I think I might have seen it on the website, but it was like the picture looked super old. <laughs> it was like that, you know, the really old Criterion font. So, I, yeah, I don't know. You can still get it. I don't even know. It if... looks like shit. Okay. I know nothing of Iranian cinema, so this will be, uh, this will be interesting. Yeah. This was a backup pick for me. Hey, you guys were absolutely right that the close-up Criterion box art is a thousand percent cooler than Taste of Cherry. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Sean? Oh, yeah, I have to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. No reason for this to be my next pick. It's just the one I'm looking at. It's uh, Rafifi. A... Uh, a French film with an American director. So I think you still call that a French film? I think so. Hey, American director, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's because he had to move to somewhere that wasn't American. Well, he didn't have to, but he did because he was a guy who was blacklisted during the 50s. Right? Isn't that the story of Jules Dawson? That is what Wikipedia says. All right. I was pretty sure. Uh, all I know is that this is like one of the first really great heist films supposedly 
Uh, and I it's like probably that. the earliest really good heist film I've seen. The Asphalt Jungle's good too, which I think is also on Criterion, but that's just straight up American. Wow. And we try to avoid that as much as possible. Not me, man. I've <laughs> <laughs> gone pretty American so far. Um, and yeah, I, uh, you know, I actually, I wouldn't necessarily say that I love the heist genre, but I've seen a lot of heist movies and I've liked several of them. Uh, and it just seems really cool. I could use a cool movie. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. It's, it's got one like really long extended heist sequence at kind of the center of the movie that uh i'll say it's not what you'd expect from your typical heist sequence Uh, it's because they're trying to give all the money back yeah (laughs) it's just about a bunch of really rich guys they're like we got too much money (laughs) let's give it back to the bank but we can't tell them (laughs) for some reason giving it back to the bank the worst plot of all time Really you want to start a riot make that movie <laughs> poor Wells Fargo we just need to give them their money back <laughs> okay so mine uh, my n- next pick I'm saying mine next pick because mm-hmm. I think it's a German film oh you're doing a thing <laughs> uh, John actually mentioned it a little bit earlier is The Passion of Joan of Arc oh no yeah I've never seen before, but I feel like John, you've seen Sean, you have not seen this movie. Uh, I feel like I've seen it. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen a lot of a lady crying. Is that the entire movie? That's all I remember. It's in the movie because <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Joan of Arc, but like after she did all the cool shit, and now it's just old men yelling at her, right? Yeah, it's like the trial. Okay. Yeah, this is just one of those. It's just a mansplaining like. movie. <laughs> but like the worst. Yeah, kind of they're mansplaining <laughs> God to like God's vessel on Earth, so it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I'll uh, go into this movie with that mindset, I guess. Yeah, this is a scary movie. It's not like a horror movie, but it feels like a horror movie. <laughs> like. That's the scariest old men you'll ever see. Yeah. Well, it was directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer, who made one of the first vampire movies, Vampire. I mean, it, w- it wasn't before Nosferatu, but it was uh, it was an early one. So he knows creepy. Damn it, he's. But this is like that. He's Danish, not German. I feel so racist right now. Hey, hey, wait. Are you sure? Maybe he was just born in Denmark and they like moved to Germany. You know, let's see. Well, it says this movie was made in France. Well, it should be because yeah. Joan of Arc would be French. I mean, that's not, you know, yeah. we don't know. We don't know. Well, I just, I just mean it in his filmography on Wikipedia, it lists like the movie and its production country. Uh-huh. And some of them are Denmark, some of them are Germany, one of them Sweden, one Norway. This guy's just all yeah, over the place. The world will never care. know where he was from, what kind of person he was. He'll 
forever be shrouded in mystery. Yeah, I mean, is it also he died in Denmark? So it's oh, like, to cool. live and die in Denmark. <laughs> That's a great title the, for a movie. The Carl Theodore. Drives I guess not Denmark, movie. but like Copenhagen or something. Like you can't just say a whole country. I mean, he was born and and died in Copenhagen. <sighs> so there you go. Crushed it. You crushed it. Uh, this movie invented close-ups, Colin. Get ready to get in there. <laughs> All right. Get in there deep. You certainly do. John, what's yours? Uh, you're, you're, we're, we're past the halfway point now. Well past the halfway point. We're in round seven. Yeah, so my seventh round pick is an American <gasps> film. I don't know if I've picked an American film yet. No, I picked uh, I picked Paris, Texas. But even that had like some... Some foreign tampering with it. <laughs> this is this is fucking all American movie. It's fucking two lane blacktop guys. Sweet. Okay, it stars James Taylor and Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys <laughs> driving a car, and then like, I guess they like, kind of like race some other dude played by Warren Oates. And nice. I've been meaning to get more into Warren Oates because he sounds sweet. I remember he was in the Wild Bunch. Warren Oates, but is I've always sweet. wanted to see. <laughs> But what he's, else uh, he he's, he's also a famous. Well, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah, that I movie. To see that too. Wasn't he also in Stripes? <laughs> yeah, he's, I think he's so. He's like the cranky Colonel in Stripes. Yeah, he's he's just cool. He's cool. So I like to see him just like racing against like two dumbass hippies. <laughs> that sounds sweet. And this is Monty uh, Monty Hellman, who I think has one other Criterion movie. The Shooting might be a Criterion movie that also has Warren Oates. And I think Jack Nicholson in a smaller role. And I assume it has Jack Nicholson because uh, Monty Hellman got his start with Roger Corman doing some weird, you know, stupid, like, beast from the haunted cave. <laughs> but then after Tulane Blacktop, I don't know, he's got kind of just a string of 70s movies I've never heard of. And then apparently he was the second unit director on Robocop. <laughs> so uh still alive 84 years old but yeah like i need to see more car movies like i've always wanted to see <laughs> vanishing point too i'm just i gotta see more 70s car movies tarantino i'm sure oh, loves yeah. this i'm sure if war notes is still alive he would have just used the shit out of him but he died in like 1982 yeah. so yeah <laughs> bring him back let's see Bring him, bring, bring him back. <laughs> resurrect him. <laughs> we could resurrect anyone in history, but we choose Warren Oates. He's just that fucking cool. Oh, man. I'll was, I was scroll down because there's a section on the on the Wikipedia for um, soundtrack, and it has to state right off the bat, James Taylor and Des Wilson did not contribute any music, so that's a bummer. But They had to I, concentrate all their energy on their performances. No distractions for Too Late Blacktop. <laughs> but I see it does have some notable uh, songs in it. They got Moonlight Drive by The Doors in it, Stealing, Arlo Guthrie, and Me and Bobby McGee, performed by Chris Christopherson. So there's got like some, some kind of folk and rock songs in there. That's kind of cool. It's better be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's got guys who at some point were considered cool. <laughs> now they're just considered cool. To, like, <laughs> James Taylor. I don't know if parents. either of those guys were ever considered <laughs> cool, to be honest. He had long hair, Colin. So you're automatically cool. He's bad news. Let me ask you this, right. though. Is Tulane Blacktop cooler than just calling your movie Street? <laughs> I'm going to go with 
Yes. I'm also going to Well, then they've already made a good street. decision. So street. If they were making it now, they'd call it Street. Yeah, they would. It'd just be a Fast and Furious knockoff. <laughs> yeah. With those lame, like, three-wheel motor trikes that guys drive around on. Speaking Don't of really cool, uh, my next pick is an American movie with a French director. It's a little flip on the Rafifi script. And it's called My Dinner with Andre. So also fitting with my theme of movies about directors, like, directly dealing with their own careers and lives. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the writers in this In scenario. this case. Although, isn't one of the guys actually a director? He's like a theater director. The non-Wallace Shawn guy. Yeah, that guy. I'm going to learn his name by having watched this movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, you know, I've just seen enough My Dinner with Andre parodies in my life that I need to get over with and see the actual thing. <laughs> it sounds pretty sweet. It's just two guys hanging out, having a conversation over dinner. <laughs> you know you know, <laughs> you know what's weird? I watched this movie in your family home without you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like, earlier, Colin's like, no way I would have done this. But come on. Well, this is a, I, this happened because I, you know, I used to house sit for your family whenever you guys were gone on vacation, and I guess just this time I had my dinner with Andre rented from Netflix, and I had to spend the night at your house to watch over your dog, and I was just like, well, I guess I'll just watch this copy of my dinner with Andre I've rented from Netflix. Fuck. <laughs> well, I'm getting to it. Yeah. Anything right, anything so, I need to know going in to my dinner with Andre? It's uh it's pretty much just a conversation. Yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. And <laughs> still good. But Colin, good. how well does it compare to the Fraser episode, My Coffee with Niles? It's <laughs> probably better. Mm. Not not definitely better. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like Sean's definition of good. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just assuming you think anything with Frasier in it is better than something not with Frasier in it. I don't know. Honestly, I don't remember that episode that well. Is it just one where they're like at a at a coffee shop? Yeah, it's like the end of the first season, I think, and he's talking just about talking how his life is better. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that episode more than once. It's a good one. By which I mean twice mm. the legal limit for every Frasier episode uh-huh. Colin what is your round seven pick your seventh pick overall uh, mine is a classic Italian movie supposedly I haven't seen it obviously because that's how this is working uh, called La Ventura uh, it's a movie by Michelangelo Antonioni. I've seen one of his films, uh, Blow Up, which is probably his most famous film, I guess. But this one's also pretty revered, I feel like, just for kind of coming out when 1960s. So that sort of period when foreign film was just kind of exploding 
there were so many directors like, you know, Fellini and Bergman and Kurosawa and stuff just sort of, I don't know, making these movies that crossed over to fancy smart people in America. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like I should at least see another Antonioni movie. I feel like his movies are kind of known for being slow though so maybe that's why i put it off well but, but I, come I on la ventura that's that's the adventure right yeah that's supposedly like, this is like indiana jones movie probably this is like romancing mm-hmm. the stone you think i don't know I th- oh, that's a good i movie. think it's uh <laughs> just about some lady that goes missing on what a boating trip it looks like mm. they're searching for harrison ford's there uh yeah he's like five years old (laughs) he's probably at least like 12 that guy's old i think this this movie played into master of none this season i think they one of their episodes pays homage to it Hmm, i don't think i've seen that episode which is why it was one of my um one of my alternates but i was i feel like i was scared by the run Uh uh-oh what's the run time i didn't even look at it 143 okay. minutes jesus christ <laughs> but yeah i guess if it is kind of a slower movie yeah still shorter than Donna justice that could yeah that could that could feel long <laughs> Donna justice is yeah that's like six hours long <laughs> blow up was another one of my alternates i just uh, i don't know i'm not ready but i want to i've seen blow out mm-hmm. which is pretty much the same thing yeah kind of a takeoff on that movie Plus, I saw in a scene from Blow Up that the Yardbirds are in it. That sounds right. It takes place in London so like, in like 1966. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I don't know. If I have to make like a, a, you know, a switch out later, if that's allowed. Yeah. I'm very oh curious. Love and Shira. Yeah, that looks good too, but I'm too scared. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. Are we back to back me? to John? I think, so. I think this is. Round eight now, the 22nd overall pick. All right, I'm definitely scared of my next pick. It's the movie that I know the least about, and it sounds creepy. But it's a sci-fi movie from Japan. It's called The Face of Another. And the premise is, a businessman with a disfigured face obtains a lifelike mask from his doctor, but the mask starts altering his personality. And all the pictures of this movie are fucking terrifying. It's a stark black and white movie from the 60s. And there's people with weird, like, melted-looking faces. And this guy wandering around with bandages all over his face. And it's like, this is just so striking. This looks so cool. I've seen a lot of great... I mean, it doesn't say it's horror, but I've seen a lot of great horror movies from Japan from the 60s. For some reason, that during that decade, they just made so many, like, interesting movies. Well, it sounds like and a this is based off very, a, like, post-Hiroshima body horror concept. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's based off an acclaimed novel. The novelist also wrote the screenplay, so I, I assume it's faithful. I don't know anything about this director, Hiroshi Teshigahara. It sounds like this... And he did another movie called Woman in the Dunes, or kind of his biggest movies. Apparently he was the first Asian person to ever be um, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director. That must be best for their foreign category. No, that that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, no, that would make sense. I don't know. I don't know anything about him. He directed an episode of the Zaitachi t- uh, TV show, which I know you can rent from the Redmond Library, at least last time I checked in 2002. <laughs> Hot scoop. <laughs> 
hate to break it to you, John. That was a while ago. <laughs> you sure? It was on VHS. There's like six VHS tapes. Yeah, they don't use those no more. <laughs> that was a popular show. And that was, you know. But yeah, uh, looks looks cool. I assume it's going to be a downer. It looks kind of creepy. Um, creepy mess. Sounds good to me. Face of another. Stoked. Cool. cool. Uh, my next pick is a Jean-Pierre Melville film called Le Samurai. It's some sort of crime drama movie, I believe. French-Italian, so pretty much <laughs> the two nationalities that every single movie I've picked. Uh, he's like a hitman, right? That's like into cool Japanese shit. Or maybe just inspired by it. I think so. Uh, like Ghost Dog, Way of the since Samurai. College. But way before, because this is in the 60s. Uh, I... Honestly, if I was going to pick a Melville film to watch, I probably would have picked Le Cirque Le Rouge. But Colin doesn't own that one, and he does own Le Samurai. So, <laughs> made the substitution. Sounds pretty sweet. It's not uh, epic length or anything. It's only 105 minutes. And, you know, it's just a movie about a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what all Melville's <laughs> movies were about. Just cool guys doing cool crime shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think this guy's supposed to be like one of the coolest guys, right? This is uh, Elaine Delon. Oh, yeah, he's super cool. Super sexy man. <laughs> Still alive. So you can weird. go tell that to his face. Hey, you're a super sexy man. <laughs> Let him know. You don't and hear that enough when you're in your like, 80s or however old this guy is now. He needs to know, yeah. He'd probably feel pretty good about himself. He'd be like, still got it. Schwing. <laughs> He's still allowed to make Wayne's World references. But it's still pretty <laughs> new to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. But yeah, uh, I guess I'll move on to mine. What should I pick? You know what? I'll just pick uh, red from the Three Colors Ooh. trilogy. What? Fuck it, we'll split it. Is <laughs> that's the third one though, right? I believe yeah. it's blue, white, red. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll decide how to do it. <laughs> like, I feel like. Yeah, I'm not completing this. This. Uh, yeah. This twist experiment. Maybe I'll maybe I'll write about white and red in the same review. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I just like also want to see these movies, and I feel like if I don't pick one of them, I won't feel obligated to. If Sean's also reviewing one of them, so you know what? I'll do red, and it gets us a little more diversity because Kieslowski's, I think, Polish, right? Mm-hmm. So not even though they're French movies. Well. We're trying. We're trying. Any idea what Red's about? Nah. Okay. It's in that <laughs> series. I don't think they're really connected, except for that, you know, that, like, meta-conceptual connection. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think we're gonna see like Juliette Binoche like show up with her new family. Just thumbs up, everyone. <laughs> That's how the movie ends. She sh- shows up. Thumbs up. And then she's putting a team together. It was the original Avengers. <laughs> uh, Johnny, Johnny O, your penultimate pick. Um. Okay. So my pick. This feels like a movie of Collins probably seen. It's from Italy. Umberto D. Yes, I have seen that movie. I watched it in film school. It sounds sad, but I like, you know, old man out on the streets, but he's got a cute dog. And I saw that screenshot of the dog holding the hat. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing this. But I had to go right to (laughs) doesthedogdie.com. That's an actual site. (laughs) If the dog dies. I was looking at this and another movie that I knew had a dog in it, and the dog died at that one, the other one, so I was like, But the dog lives to this one. I mean, I feel like, yeah, okay. Anyways, I mean, Ingmar Bergman said this is his favorite movie. The director of this said it was his favorite movie he ever made. Hmm. The premise, I like the premise. Short. I like the fact that it stars, like, non-professional actors. That's cool. And yeah, it just it's it's there's something appealing about its simplicity. Yeah, I mean, I remember it was a movie where we actually watched it in class in the film class I was taking and like before the teacher showed the film, she said like, "Okay, you guys are going to think this movie's really slow, but by the end of it, it'll be worth it." <laughs> and it's actually a pretty apt description for it because, yeah, it's it's very simple, but it kind of sneaks up on you because it is so sort of, uh, yeah, just a simple story about a guy and a dog. But it it's, gets you, gets you where it counts, as far as I remember. So um, <laughs> Again, it's been a while. I'm hoping that my next pick has the exact same appeal that you just described uh, because it's Solaris by Andre Tarkovsky. <laughs> Um, which is the epic length of 166 minutes. And I know it's about three people on a space station going through emotional crises. Um, it just, it just sounds boring, but I've heard it's a hell of a thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always one of those ones that's brought up in the conversation of like the greatest sci-fi films ever made. And also, like, the greatest Russian films ever made. And I don't like nothing about, <laughs> like, besides this and Battleship Potemkin, which I'm not even 100% sure is a Russian. That's, like, that's all I got. That's Russian. That's as Russian as it gets, man. Yeah. But it could have been, like, maybe they were just, like, going for that vibe. But it's actually, like, Hard. Polish or something. All right. I saw Battleship Potemkin because it was on that website where you can go and look at like the websites of the past you know like that archive.org website mm-hmm. so good resource for battleship potemkin and also looking at um your personal website from 2003 that's not on the internet anymore <laughs> john you tried to watch solaris once what happened did you die it wasn't there wasn't enough going on and it wasn't sci-fi enough for me i got an hour in 
so you barely scratch the surface. It looks really good, though. You're not going to be bored by the visuals. It's a yeah, very pretty-looking so, uh, film. Like, so if, if you get bored, you can just kind of have it 2001 on. 2001 <laughs> is one of my favorite movies, period. Like, maybe my favorite movie. And so I'm into that. I'm into what you're describing. Yeah, you, you might like it. I mean, a lot of people like this movie. So uh, I think it's worth checking right. out. Colin? Uh, my next movie, also of epic length, actually longer than your movie. And I don't know much about it, but it sounds charming. It's called Yee Yee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As, it's, <laughs> as it was titled like in America. Music? What? Like the kind of music? Go on. Oh, is that a kind of music? Uh, is this a French movie? I think it's Chinese. No, this is a, or Japanese? says it's a okay. Taiwanese movie. Never mind then. Taiwan. Yeah. Supposedly it's just about a middle class family in Taipei. Just follows them over the course of a year. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a documentary. Like... Is it a documentary? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> you, you can just make films about people living their lives. It's allowed. Yeah, but that's a... Yeah, Sean, haven't you seen The Truman Show? <laughs> Mike. <laughs> a little more extreme yeah, version of what It's kind of the right? opposite of a guy just living his <laughs> life. <laughs> He's, he wasn't really allowed yeah. to just live his Story life. Story of un- reality unraveling around a man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just felt like uh, getting some more Asian cinema representation would be good. I guess I had Tokyo Story, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. John, what's your next pick? Your last pick. Last my last pick. pick. Yes. I, I feel like I brought this up recently because I think I Colin you've seen it before, and I was like, I gotta see that. Um, I, yeah, that's a criterion for sure. Thief, mm. Michael Mann. I'm always seeing sweet screenshots of this, and the music is Tangerine Dream. And we watched Sorcerer this year, and I was all about the music because it sounded like a video game. <laughs> And yeah, I'm just I'm I'm interested to see Michael Mann where he got his start. It's funny I've seen his second movie, and it's funny how his first movie, you know, like it's this cult classic. It's on Criterion. His second movie isn't even on DVD. But you've the key. But you've seen it. I ha- oh I re- I reviewed it on our blog. It's like um, it was a very ambitious film for an early director. Um, so I'm interested to see him like be ambitious but have it all go right. Yeah, I mean, I know he got started working on Miami Vice, the TV show. I feel like this movie is kind of similar in tone, but cooler, I guess. I don't know. I've never seen Miami Vice, really, but yes. Yeah, you know, this just looked pretty. I like James. I like James Conn a lot. I'm noticing Robert Prosky and Willie Nelson are in this. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll go with like it. Like Miami Vice had, like, I don't know, rock stars. I can't remember which one. Jim Belushi. Well, I mean, <laughs> you always know what you're going to get from Jim Belushi in a movie. He's just going to be a guy hanging out. He's <laughs> just happy to yeah. do something for I you. Just heard, I heard recently he was a jerk, so. Hmm. Kind of down on him right now. <laughs> All right. 
But I'm excited to see. I remember this when Thief came out on Criterion. Is when I was working at Barnes and Noble. I was like, oh, this looks cool. I didn't have like the coolest cover, but I was like, oh, this is the Criterion. It must be worth seeing. So excited for that. Plus, I, I wanted some more American movies. Got a lot of foreign shit going on here. <laughs> yeah, I got scared because before we did this, you said a lot of your movies were American. So, like, most of my first five picks were American movies because I was scared <laughs> I might choose the same one as you. You didn't pick any of the ones I know. that I was going to. <laughs> the closest I got for crossover was La Ventura. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Sean's last pick. It is my last pick. And I think it's, like I said, I have one on here that maybe you guys haven't heard of. And that's my last one, Tampopo. Do you guys know this movie? Oh, I've heard of it. Uh, it's. Mm. I, I almost watched Oof. it. <laughs> Shouldn't have saved it for last then. My brother is a huge, huge fan of this movie. Yeah, uh, I heard about it this year uh, on a YouTube series called uh, Binging with Babish which I don't know if you guys have heard of. It's um, this guy makes uh, the food for movies that looks the most delicious to see if it actually is delicious in real life. And mostly it just looks like all these recipes are really hard to make, but they're delicious when you actually get them. Um, but this is a, a comedy movie that's kind of a parody of uh, Westerns and American films. Like they, the publicity for it called it a ramen Western, a play on you know spaghetti Western. Uh, and stars uh, Ken Watanabe and a bunch of other people I've never heard of. Directed by Juzo Itami. Also, I don't know who that is. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like I was hearing about this movie around the time that John was pitching this idea. Uh, and it wasn't that expensive on Amazon. So I just picked it up and I'm ready to watch it. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to see that. It sounds like a great food movie from mm -hmm. uh, the, this. Like it's gonna make your make in, in the binging with Babish that he shows a little clip of it, and it's just this uh, this old man talking about like the proper way to eat ramen, and it's uh, it's pretty delicious. Mm. I want some ramen. That sounds good. I got some ramen, but it's like crappy store. <laughs> but, mm, he's a good food movie. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to make my last pick exciting because it's literally just one of those. I don't really know this director that much, but I feel like I should see one of his movies. It's uh, Ali Fear Eats the Soul, movie from Rainier Werner Fassbender. Fassbinder? Bind, what did you just say? Yeah, I know. I just said a bunch of words, <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. He's some German director who. No, is the what's the name of the movie? Ali eats the soul. Okay. Ali colon fear eats the soul. I've heard that title before. What's it about? Yeah, it's. I think it's about an interracial couple in you know like seventies Germany. It's supposed to be kind of like what's that Douglas Sirk movie? All that heaven allows, and Ugh. I guess also probably like that Todd Haynes movie too, <laughs> Far from Heaven. But Ugh, those are some rough women. movies, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, I don't know, he sounds interesting. He was, like, super prolific. He got into this run of doing, like, 
three movies a year from like the early 70s basically to when he died in 1982 he died when he was only 37 but he made like 20 movies and i feel like this is the most acclaimed of any of his um he seems like he's kind of a contemporary of you know like herzog and and vim venters too just that like I think I think that's considered a thing like the new wave of German filmmakers or whatever that came around in the 70s but I ain't seen none of his movies. That's cool dude. Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't know how it'll turn out. <laughs> um so those are 30 movies we are going to review on the blog. We're committed to probably reviewing them. You know, shit happens. <laughs> Hey, we got two months to do this shit. Uh, yeah, we can we can do well, it. Well, I, I I know the event is gonna happen. Like I'm pretty unless one of us dies. Like there will be some of this on the blog, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, someone might change their mind, and we'll have to work through that together. Yeah, are we allowed to slot out movies? Are these in stone? What if one of them isn't readily no, available? No, you can slot them out. Okay, you, you can slot them out um, just as long as it's not someone else's movie. Yeah, yeah. You review it before they As far as how this will be on the blog, are we just going to do them in the order we picked, or should we order them like chronologically? I think we'll find mm. we'll find an order for okay. them. I like it doesn't have to be chronological. I like chronologically, but uh, yeah, I don't care. But what if like we didn't realize and somebody does like five movies in a row? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we might have to see if it's we'll easily see. evenly spaced. All right. Well, uh, so thank you for listening to this discussion. Again, look for these posts on the blog in July. Uh, Keep your eyes on the Criterion website and Amazon and Barnes & Noble and everywhere else you can buy movies these days. You never know when a secret sale is going to pop up or someone will have a used copy and you can pounce. Uh, Like we said earlier, the Criterion website itself is a pretty sweet resource to learn about a lot of movies. I mean, there's there's probably like a thousand movies they've made cartoons of at this point and uh they're all worth at least reading about a little bit and if you're interested in us you know that blog i was talking about earlier that's mildlypleased.com uh you can find us on itunes search mildly please it's all of our podcasts in one convenient feed and that's everything i have to say we'll do some sort of other podcasts in the future and at that point We will be speaking to you at that time. Thanks. Bye.